This is a Need 10 Media production. All right, welcome aboard, my friend. It's Nate Clayberg. And in this episode of That's a Job podcast, we get to meet someone I connected with back in April while we're both attending the You Are the Brand Live event in Colorado. Her name is Elizabeth Larrick. And when we met in Denver, the work that she does as an attorney to help other attorneys and their clients, I thought was very unique. And we're going to get more into that in a little bit. But again, on this show, we talk to people that uh, have jobs that maybe you've heard of, jobs that you didn't even know they were jobs. But specifically, the pathways and the obstacles and challenges uh, and even successes and connections that uh, uh, these people have learned along the way of how they've gotten to where they're at and maybe out of where they were at to get to where they're at. Elizabeth, welcome to That's a Job podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for having me. Well, I'm going to get into this just like I do with all the other guests that I have. And we're going to hit the retro button a little bit and go back to when you were graduating high school. And uh, someone said, so what are you doing next year? What do you want to be? Was it an attorney or was there something else you had in mind? I feel like I'm one of those pretty special people that already knew I really wanted to be a lawyer and go to law school when I graduated high school. So I, you know, already had it picked out, you know, going to this college and I knew I was going to go to law school. So I felt pretty, pretty lucky in that I had a pretty strong direction. So what was it specifically about that you were drawn to when it came to to want to be a lawyer that that kind of set you up to follow that pathway? Probably life experience. As I was growing up, I had some older siblings that ran into some trouble criminals wise. And, uh, and my mom had, you know, as far as I, you know, I'm a child of divorce, you know, and watching some of these things unfold. And my point of view being, you know, kind of a observer was, wow, this has so much power over our lives. And these people, these lawyers, they know what's going on. And so just this drive to be in the know and to be able to help people with this system that, I mean, we're it's foreign. If you don't know what's going on in there and it's controlling your life, it's really kind of a scary place. Well, charting that pathway to law school, did you have any people that were trying to dissuade you from following that pathway uh, of getting into that? I didn't, I didn't have any, you know, interaction with any of the lawyers as far as, you know, the family experience. I didn't have any interaction with them. I didn't know any lawyers, even my friends, you know, their, their parents weren't lawyers. So I didn't really have anyone dissuading me um, at this point. So then you get in, you're, you're on your way to, to try and get that, that law degree. Uh, what was that pathway that you found uh, coming through? Was there some, some decisions or coursework or experiences you had coming through college that uh, you found fit, or maybe you had to pivot or wish you would have done a different way? Just trying to try to decide that or, or let somebody out there listening that is thinking law school, and that's where they want to be. I guess, talk through that pathway that you would advise somebody to look at. Sure. I knew in my high school experience that math was not a strong suit, nor was science. (laughs) So, you know, back in the day, like we had a book, you know, you opened the book and you picked your courses and I thought, oh, pre-law, I'll just follow their plan. Okay. No, it doesn't work that way. There's not pre-law. So you kind of had to pick something. And so I just, you know, I just kind of 
looked and guessed, you know, political science, this is it. And that really helped me kind of navigate away from a lot of like natural sciences um, and math. I did have to take one math class, but being in that you know, it exposed me to a couple of other things. And I really enjoyed like criminal justice and felt like I really wanted to do some criminal law. So I took some of those classes, but it was a lot of freedom in picking your classes. Um, Once you kind of got past those mandatory places, really introduced me to a lot of fantastic professors. I was able to participate in moot court, which is different than debate. It's actually, you know, there's a case and you, the whole moot court that you do is basically present an argument to kind of like an appeals court. Um, so it's just, you get up, you deliver, you know, 30 minutes and then you sit back down. You have to answer questions. Uh, and that was just really eye-opening. And I'm so glad that I did that. It was a really great group of people and, you know, learned, I really enjoyed researching and arguing, writing not so much, but that's okay. And the other thing that I did that I think really helped was I wanted a job in an actual law firm so I could actually get the experience. I started working for free (laughs) first uh, as an intern because I just like, well, hey, you know, at least I'll get in there and be able to see some things. And then that actually got me a job as a, as a, a legal assistant at a criminal office that I was able to work at for two years. So it gave me some experience. Because how does it work? You, you know, you got through your undergrad, you get into law school. And I think that's where people forget or students forget they say I'm going to be a lawyer, but you say, well, what, what kind of law are you going to practice? There, there's countless uh, avenues to, to, to follow. You know, how did you decide? Was it, was it uh, the criminal one that stood out to you? You said you took that criminal justice class, but was that what opened your eyes to the path that you followed? I really didn't know. I just knew, okay, the people in the courtroom, like I want to do what they're doing. And criminal law was pretty familiar to me. And that's kind of where I got my internship was at the DA's office, district district attorney's office. And I got that through my criminal justice class. So I just thought, okay, great criminal law. I worked as a legal assistant, like going into law school, that was kind of my path. Like, okay, I'm going to kind of mimic this and, and do a district attorney's job and prosecute people. And then, you know, maybe work for as a criminal lawyer after that, a defense lawyer. Was there anything along the way that maybe had you second guessing that or, or another area of law that opened up that you weren't quite aware of as you were, as you were practicing or, or on your way to practicing? Well, I think once I got into law school, I realized, whoa, this is kind of crazy because once you graduate and you pass the bar, you're on your own unless you go with the firm. And that scared the pants off of me. Like I was like, wow, most criminal defense lawyers just go out there. So I tried to use my law school summers and the years that I had trying out everything possible. I did an internship for an an insurance company. I did all these internships all over the place. And sometimes I got good experience and sometimes I just drove lawyers around in a car. (laughs) But, you know, I just, that really helped me kind of process like one, how does it really work once you get out of law school? How much guidance do I want? And what's really the most important thing for me in my drive to be a lawyer. And that ended up being, let's get in the courtroom. And I thought about doing family law again. So I ended up at a trying to get a DA's office job. When I graduated, jobs were really, really competitive. It's 2010. So right after the major recession, and I'm competing with 
my law school class for jobs and last year. So, you know, there's like one slot and 20 people applied. So I didn't get it, but my best friend got it. So I'm really glad that she got the job, but I ended up at a plaintiff's uh, injury office and loved it and got in the courtroom every year and just really was like, man, this is for me. I'm really glad that I found my way here. Well, what's that life like? What, you know, what are, what are the days? What are the nights? Because there are nights involved, right? And, and in dealing with, uh, uh, with, different custom, with different clients, I guess. But talk about the lifestyle that, that you ended up getting into. And did you even have a clue of what that lifestyle was going to be? I mean, you see everything on movies and a little bit of TV about like, you know, it's hours and hours and hours. And I just thought, wow, that I really, I don't know if that's for me, but I mean, that's all we hear. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of hours and, you know, the work that we do ebbs and flows, right? We have seasons we have, you know, and it, you kind of start to learn the seasons and what put pressure, what puts pressure on our you know, personal injury side of things. Cause every one is a little bit different. If you're in transactional, whatever, sometimes it's, you know, it's the tax stuff, you know um, but it was a lot and it really began to wear on me. Once I opened my own office, I was like, wow, I'm never going <laughs> to see the light of day or do something fun. So, um, so yeah, it, it was a lot more than I anticipated, but I also learned that it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to practice the old school way. And that really gave me a lot of like relief <laughs> that, you know, you could fashion it for however you want it. Yeah. You know, it's, that's the experience you have. And, and I think what makes you different than a lot of people I've talked to on this podcast, you know, I go through their LinkedIn and I've got to hit page two to go back to some different things. And you only have three things in yours from the associate attorney experience that you had for, you know, uh, you know, three or four years uh, or five years, and then going on your own. Talk about that'd be a little bit of a culture shock that you were like in a system. And then you had to design the system to, to do the work that you were doing. Talk about that transition to hanging up your own shingle and figuring out how to make things happen. Yeah. So the transition to that is fairly interesting. And I was, you know, trying to, you know, drum that up whenever we can come talk to you. And I thought, gosh, <laughs> let me remind myself because I quit my job and I had no idea what I was going to do. Like, what, I didn't know what drove you. Let's, let's get into that. What, what drove you to all of a sudden you said you were done? What I, I want to hear this story. How did this all go down? <laughs> yeah. So I, Okay. I also made a huge transition. I moved from Oklahoma to Texas. And at the time that I did it, I still, there wasn't any reciprocity, meaning I, my, my license couldn't just easily ease across. Right. I had to retake the bar, <laughs> the Texas bar, um, before I could actually practice. So I make this leap back to Texas and I, you know, sit for the bar and I pass and join a, a law firm. And it's, there's a lot of, there's a ton of cases and it's just endless, endless, endless. And I think that I didn't really set very good boundaries. And so I did not only my job, but I did a paralegal's job and a legal assistance job. And I was trying to also like immerse myself in being, you know, in Texas and meet a lot of people and the pressure and the anxiety just like, it just got too much. And I got like, really overwhelmed. And we tried to solve the problem and it didn't work. And I just was like, I couldn't really see a very good solution. And I didn't know 
what really where I wanted to go. Do I want to work for somebody else? Like, and I consulted so many people on this decision. And finally, I just like, okay, let me leave this and stop and really look at, do I want to work somewhere else? Maybe I need to move somewhere else. So I really, I took about 30 days to really look at it. Now it ended up being that I wanted to work differently and I wanted to work for myself. And I had a lot of love and encouragement to like, go do it. <laughs> you know, we can, you can help you. So I had a lot of, you know, a very good friend of mine who's also a lawyer, you know, I did contract work for him. You know, he paid my rent for the first full year. Like, and so it really made a lot of things possible for me because I had some, some encouragement and some help <laughs> once I finally made the decision. Yeah. You know, it, uh, coming in, I guess, to a whole different environment and you're trying to figure things out and yeah, I'm pulling up here and yeah, you've got a couple month gap in there from, from when you left uh, one place to, to starting your, your, your next stop as you being uh, the lawyer, what type of cases did really got you going? What kind of business came in to, to get you going to try and get some traction uh, over the last, uh, I guess, in the beginning uh, when you got going seven years ago? Yeah. I mean, it's lawyers, especially in personal injury, it's very much um, a referral network, right? So lawyers refer lawyers work. Um, And so I had already, you know, a lot of people that I knew because I really, you know, enjoy networking. And so I had a lot of people that I could call on and say, Hey, I'm starting out. Is there something that you can refer to me that I can work on? Uh, Cause we can, you know, I can, do referral feedback to them when I finish the case. And so that was really how I got a lot of, of, of docket before, you know, people who had been my clients and started referring things to me. When you talk so it was about- mostly personal injury cases. I did a little bit of contract work, but I also realized like that really wasn't for me either. When you talk about personal injury, describe that, you know, is it, is it you that's on the back of the phone book on the billboard? Was is that the type of personal injury that we're looking at that uh, that Larry Law Firm is uh, drumming up or was yeah. drumming up? I could never. I mean, always joked about putting my face on a billboard, but I just I could never pull the trigger for it. But um, but yeah. So ultimately, what I more most regularly do is when people get in a car wreck and they have to handle the insurance claim with somebody else's insurance, right? So somebody else is at fault. Now I've got to deal with this foreign insurance company to try and get my car fixed and, you know, pay my ER bill. And, you know, so therein lies this problem for people. And we basically lawyers kind of step in there and represent them to the insurance companies. And then, you know, it goes off from there. That's the main bulk of what I have done is car wrecks, but I've also, you know, tractor trailer, 18 wheelers or commercial vehicles. I've also, you know, it's called premises liability, which is a very weird word to call it, but it's just basically if you're on somebody else's property, a restaurant or, you know, grocery store and you injure yourself and it's because their property wasn't maintained properly. That's another kind of personal injury claim. And then workers' comp is another version, but most of the time, most states have workers' comp court. So I never did any workers' comp, but that's generally what you're looking at. But you are spot on on a billboard <laughs> or in the back of a telephone book. You, you probably had someone mock one up for you at some point that tried to pitch it to you and sell you that you, you have probably had that somewhere, but all the time, all the time, <laughs> they, you know, come on. I'm just like, you know, the market is flooded. Okay. We don't <laughs> need another attorney advertising. So I guess I just want to touch on that work again. You know, you, you talk about the regular uh, premises liability or auto accidents. Give me a weird one that you're like, really? 
this is something I've got to go after and, and, uh, and try and, uh, try and fight. You got to have a couple of those out there that just kind of blow your mind. Well, we, I had one once that I was like, wow, how does this even happen? Like a woman is, um, she's parked her car. She's going to walk into a hotel. And that particular day we had like crazy wind gusts. And as she's walking in the floor mat is kicked up by the wind catches her foot and she lands straight down on her kneecap. I'm making this crazy thing with my, so, I mean, knee just yeah, explodes. For podcast it's like, purposes, she's doing uh, jazz hands or something. That's right. Could anyone have even like created in their mind that this thing was going to like flap up, you know, catch her foot and then basically send her straight down. Um, and it happened so fast. She had no time to put her hands down. So I had to go get weather reports. I had to go prove the wind speed that day. Like, you know, all these kind of like, wow, it's not normally what we do, but that's the fun part is sometimes like investigating or go finding that eyewitness or go to the gas station and pull that, you know, camera recording of, you know, what somebody get in the crash. Like that part to me is so much fun. So as you get through this and, and you still, I, I think we talked, you're, you're not practicing too much, but you found a world uh, and maybe a gap in the system as far as, you know, the work you're doing as an attorney, you have your clients, but you have to prepare them to go on stage, if you will. And, you know, talk through that discovery, talk about, you know, this, uh, I think you call it witness preparation coaching or something like that. And that's, that's the thing that brings up is that's a job. Well, it, actually, you know, it is a job witness preparation coach. Talk through the evolution of that and, and the work you do there. Yeah. So I, you know, started out as a brand new lawyer and generally that's the first thing baby, you know, we call them baby lawyers do is you handle your own client's deposition, right? They sit down, answer questions. There was no training guide for any of that. And I kept kind of failing at it. It wasn't fun. And I started to dig and look and I found uh, a CLE, a continuing legal education and went to the seminar and found the system and absolutely fell in love with it. And so that's why I'm still in Oklahoma. So I'm working the system, working the system, working the system. I started doing seminars on it, getting up, teaching other lawyers about it. And at some point I'm on my own at and somebody said, Hey, you know, I have a really difficult person. Can you come in and do this for me? And I thought, can I do that? <laughs> I can. And so I did. And I, you know, developed a really good relationship with this lawyer and this firm. And so it wasn't anything I was still doing my law practice. And I was like, wow, this could be something more. And I just, every once in a while, you know, would do one. And then it got to the point where it wasn't overwhelmed with that style of work, but I was like, this is what I love. Like, I want to make this, you know, more than, than just a little side piece. I want to make this one of the main pieces. And in that learning, like, you know, lawyers, you know, we're people, some people are great at finding experts. Some people are great at doing one, this piece of the case. And some people are not great <laughs> at preparing their clients. And so there's this gap right? Where, you know, they may be fantastic lawyers, but this is just not really what they're great at. And so I'm like, Hey, I'm here now. I'll come do this for you. I love people. Let me do this. Um, but it also kind of rolled into the other thing that I really love to do for people, which is focus groups, legal focus groups. And that also stumbled into like, huh, 
people like to do these, but they don't like to set them up themselves. And so I kind of started that almost immediately when I started doing my own law firm, because I was doing them for my cases. And then other lawyers were like, Hey, can we jump in on that? Like, We'll pay for something. I'm like, okay. So that also kind of has slowly developed. So it's kind of been a transformation of doing more assisting lawyers versus handling my own cases. Yeah. It's got to be a niche that early on, you probably had a lot of like, I can just do that on my own. If you were doing any sort of outreach or marketing or talking to, to firms that they can do it. And then they see, maybe they come up against you and that you help somebody else in that end. Uh, are you, are you, what, I guess, who are you helping? Is it, is it the, uh, the lawyers that were in the same bus as you that are on the billboards and the phone books, or is it the other side of the aisle that you're also helping? I think I'll always have a plaintiff's heart. Like I'll always have a heart for the people for the underdog. I, I don't think I'll ever be able to help insurance companies. So yeah, it's people in the same bus as me. So my, my, my fellow, uh, you know, plaintiff, uh, personal injury lawyers who are on the back of the phone books or on the billboards that, you know, they're busy trial lawyers, running offices, running cases. Like it's not, they don't always have time to stop and do a focus group or stop and prepare a witness. So that's my tagline to help, help these busy individuals, uh, improve their cases. Uh, well, and I think the, the key here is you're doing this work, but you don't have to have, you know, taken the bar exam in every state. You can do this kind of anywhere. Can't you? You're, you're doing it a lot of different places. Talk about that and expanding this. Yeah. I mean, I originally when I was, you know, kind of doing some seminar work and, and it was all over the place. And so I kind of built up a network across the U S for doing this. And then of course the pandemic hit. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, okay. Figured out how to do it all virtual, virtual focus groups, virtual witness prep. And that really has helped as well because, you know, obviously it helps on time. It saves expenses and I'll have to go there. Um, and you know, it, it, pretty near works the same process. So I've been able to kind of continue to cultivate relationships and, you know, I have my own podcast that I use and I, you know, have an email list. And so I try to talk to, talk to lawyers uh, pretty often about kind of what I do, how I can help. But, you know, I also, you know, I come from a place where I was there, I was a solo trying to do everything. And, yeah, there are times where I should be, you should do something in-house. And so I always try to deliver things to lawyers. Hey, you can do this on your own. Like, here's the tool, like, here's the sign-in sheet. Here's this, here's that. So that people can start doing it on their own because I get it. Like I was there, I ran my own shop. I had to do my own stuff. And so, yeah, sometimes things were, you know, put together with duct tape, but <laughs> I did it myself. Well, it's interesting that uh, instead of you saying, well, just you doing it, you're, you're helping these firms to try and figure out how to do the work that you're doing because there's plenty of work out there, isn't there? Unfortunately. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, we, yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of the game. I always tell people like, we're here because there's, you know, we, we have a job for a reason. You know, there was a need for this, for, for lawyers in this particular niche and many other things as well. And that's why I always tell people when they ask me like, I'm thinking about law school and I always tell them, I wish I had known all the other ways you could be a lawyer, like, because I'm a lawyer, but I get to do so much fun stuff. Like, I think all this stuff is fun. And I think helping people, you know, do awesome at their deposition is fun. And it's a great way to help people through a really tough time. 
but oh my gosh, so many of my classmates, you know, they graduated law school and then just decided, you know what, like I'm going to go to DC and work at an agency, or I'm going to go do, you know, whatever. I mean, just all kinds of really fun stuff that I was like, wow, I kind of wish I would have known or just been open to it. I should say. So you talked about those people that come up to you and say, Hey, I'm thinking of law school too. I guess what type of, you know, I guess you think back to law school, you know, how do you open their eyes to, to get some of these young people aware of what else is out there in the field of law or relates to it? Because, you know, I'll say, go talk to a lawyer and find out the pathway to get somewhere. And I always say the key question is, ask that, ask that professional or ask that lawyer, would you do this again? Or is there another job out there that you would pursue instead and, and hear that pathway? You know, what's some advice you can give there to, to somebody listening that wants to see the different avenues in, in this world that they could go after? I mean, just the amount of information that's available on the internet is mind-blowing. I mean, we didn't have you know, we just didn't use it the same way that we did 10 years ago. I am always impressed. And again, these are small things, just like watching through the news at how many lawyers are in positions. I'm like, oh, wow, that was a job. Or, you know, people who went to law school, but now that opens the door for so many things they can do in different kinds of government or, and I'm just like, wow. So I would just say, if there's another avenue that you're interested in, like, entertainment law, sports law. Like I love it when I see people who combine those two things together, like they love sports and they, but they become sports agents after they were lawyers or at the same time. And I'm just like, Oh man, that's so cool. But they just combine the passions in their life. And so if there's music that you're excited about, or, you know, please don't drop what that is like, you know, there, where there's a will, there's a way there is totally a place for a lawyer. And I don't mean to like, you know, say, Hey, lawyers are taking over. Um, but you know, matter of time, all a matter of time. That's right. That's right. There's a place, you know, I was just say, Hey, Google it, figure it out. You know, there's, I love all the different ways that you can do that. And the only other encouragement in the, what I would say, some of the best advice that I got about going to law school was just get there and finish. I mean, just finish because, you know, so many law schools, it's really, really pressure. I mean, it's a ton of pressure, you know, you, and you can't get in. And then it's, I had to take the LSAT twice. Like, but once somebody just said, Hey, Elizabeth, just keep your eye on the prize, get in, finish, take the bar. Cause guess what? Once you're past the bar, nobody, nobody really looks at any of that stuff. You're here. You've made it. You're, you're going to be treated just like any other lawyer because you made it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Cause there's so much, you know, oh, we have to go to this school and to do this thing. And, you know, if I had really paid a lot more attention to it, I probably would have gone to law school in Texas. So I didn't have to transfer back, right. but, um, but I still love my experience and I would definitely hundred percent, you know, do it again. Yeah. And you're, you're talking about the things you learned in the summers of law school and probably in the summers of undergrad that brings you to the, the durable skills. You can be as all academic as you want to, to get through law school, but the communication, the, the planning, the, the management that you have to have, you know, you, pay, you, you probably had some of that as a foundation, but somebody coming in saying, I'm topping my class, I'm going to law school. But if you can't have a conversation like both and I are, you and I are having now uh, or organizing, it's, it's going to be a tough road, I'd imagine, for somebody like that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I just think about my law school class and, you know, so many flavors of people, you know, and you end up 
somewhere in the middle. You know, I knew number, you know, my best friend was number two at the time and thank goodness because she let me cheat up all her papers. No. <laughs> uh, we, there's a lot of sharing that goes on though. So we all can pass, but collaboration, we like to call it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's, I'm always just like, wow, so many different facets of people. And then, you know, going on LinkedIn and seeing like, wow, who opened their own place and oh, who ended up, wow, that's what they're doing. Or like a girl I went to school, she teaches at the law school, like, oh man, that's so cool. You know, like it's, you know, it's so amazing. And so that's why I would say is, you know, don't feel like you're limited at all by going to law school. Um, and also just know, like the other things people warned me about was like, you're going to get the two-year, three-year, five-year hit mark, and you're probably going to completely flip and do something completely different. I'm like, wow, really? And they're like, yeah, that's kind of how the career path of a lawyer goes. Cause you start the first job and then you take a zigzag to the next one. Um, so I guess it's kind of what I did, although I'm kind of still, still in the same field of law. Well, you, uh, not only practice law and help lawyers, uh, you're now a podcaster. So you've got your own podcast, trial lawyer prep, talk quickly through that and, and the traction or where that came from to, to do that. And, and you're, it's probably something you never thought you'd be doing either. No, not at all. Running a business. I never, ever thought I'd be running my own business. So I have just done as much learning as I can about running a business and marketing and sales because I had to catch up. And one of the things that people always encourage, you know, your website, SEO, you should be blogging. Whew, like I told you earlier, writing is not my strong suit. <laughs> so somebody, uh, Ernie Spenson, who is a lawyer, also has a podcast. I was on his podcast and we had a really good conversation about, you know, you should do the thing that's really natural to you, which is talking, uh, do a podcast. And so I was like, all right. So I, you know, you know, for a while it took me a long time to get what's the, what's the focus of this whole thing. And so finally I was like, let's just talk about the two things I love most preparing clients, you know, focus groups, which is all about connecting with the jury. So it's hundred percent designed for trial lawyers. Um, I have lawyers on uh, as guests. And then we, I also kind of do my own solo episodes where we just talk about um, depositions, trial and focus groups. Well, Elizabeth, I'll put the link to have people check out that, uh, that podcast and get them to your website and even connect with you on LinkedIn. But uh, I do appreciate you uh, finally finding some time in your busy schedule that we can uh, connect and uh, have you on the podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Nate. I really appreciate it. And if anyone is interested, don't hesitate to email me either because I really, you know, I have a heart for helping people and I really love lawyers. So <laughs> if I can help you or encourage you, I would love to do that. All right. Thank you. Again, thank you everybody for listening and being on this journey and invite you to subscribe and share this podcast. It's called That's a Job. It's on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The That's a Job podcast presented by Career Adventure Academy and the College and Career Discovery course. Discover the work you are wired to do. Now, go live your career adventure. If you haven't done so already, hit subscribe to enjoy future episodes. Build your career adventure at nateclayberg.com. Production assistance provided by Bill Jordan voiceovers. Visit billjordanvo.com. This podcast is a Need 10 Media production.